That's weird. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. Did you ever watch the Twilight Zone? Remember the Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith? Remember, he, he, he loved to read, and there was a nuclear war, and he had no friends anyway, and he was oh, down on yeah, basic glasses. What about the mannequins that got two weeks off and turned into humans, and they were allowed to go out and shop for two weeks on their own, and then this one came back, and it was over two weeks, and the other mannequins went, come over here for a minute, and turned into plastic. You, you want to see something really scary? Welcome, everybody, to Zoning Out. I'm Christopher Feinstein. John Sachs. Frank Bonacci. Butch McKenzie, what party-loving happening dude? And Chud. We are here today to talk about The Twilight Zone. Episode, season, season two, episode four. A thing about machines. A thing about Mackines. Mackine. With an air date of October 28th, 1960. Written by Rod Sterling and directed by David Oric McDiarmon. He has three zones under his belt with the most violent episode in season one being his first. Execution. Sure. Clean faced, your Johnny come lately dandies. You come out in your warm trains rolling over the graves of men like me. I just hit your kite. Oh, yeah, that's a real violent episode. And this is a very stark contrast to uh, that episode. Yes. Bartlett Finchley, an eccentric and cantankerous writer, finds himself at odds with the technological devices around him. He is frustrated by his typewriter, phone, and other machines seemingly conspiring against him. His frustrations escalate as the machines begin to exhibit increasingly odd and antagonistic behavior. McKine. Feeling isolated and paranoid, Finchley's world spirals into chaos as he realizes he cannot escape the machines he depends on. What do we think of this one, folks? I'm going to surprise everybody. I really like this one. Really? This guy's a prick. I, that's what guy. I liked about it. This is what it is. It's 25 minutes of a critic being tortured. So I enjoyed this on that level, as I'm sure it was in the spirit of Serling's writing. This was him, obviously, just... this. I wonder who this is based on. Because yeah. it's so specific. This must be a critic he has dealt with. I, I'm telling you, I know writers. Writers are fucking petty motherfuckers. And it's just like, yeah, he is right. slandering somebody hard. What? What? <laughs> what I Did say? you say damn right? <laughs> Did you say something? Me? No. Yeah. I thought you said damn right. <laughs> I might have. You'll hear it. Mm-hmm. Say my name. Eisenberg. You got that right. I enjoyed that element of it. It was just that he was such a piece of shit. This is one of those episodes that I shouldn't like because because I really liked his performance as a piece of shit. So it's okay. So we might as well get into it. It starts Bartley, uh, Bartley Mr. Finchley, Bartley, Bartley Finchley. Bartlett Finchley. I, that does not roll off the tongue. McKine. No. Bartlett Finchley. Yeah, it's a uh, not fun to say. He's a food critic. He's just slights everybody. Every he, everybody's beneath him. He has a he's a very opinionated man, and there every very opinion he has is not a good one. He's berating his television repairman, and also exactly how much this current larceny is going to cost me. Well, it's two hours labor, broken set of tubes, new oscillator, and a new filter. <laughs> how very technical, and how very convincing. I presume I'm to be dunned once again for three times the worth of the blasted thing. Played by Barney Phillips, and this is his second appearance on the show out of four. He <laughs> also played the alien with the eye in the middle of his forehead and with the real Martian stand up. Uh, That's his yeah. most famous one. But he already showed up in a season one episode. So that's neat. So he's berating his TV repairman. Finchley, what is it with you and machines? I shall file that idiotic question in my memorabilia to be referred to at some future date when I write my memoirs. You, my good friend, will fill one entire chapter. 
entitled The Most Forgettable Person I Ever Met. And I don't know how this guy doesn't give him a nice sock in the mouth. He should have been fucking cracked. Quick. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like, okay, you're fucking, you're playing a dangerous game, man, Mr. Pinchley. Their whole argument is about machines. He's a man, clearly, like, of a different time. He hails from a different generation and he does not like these machines these infernal machines he does not operate them which is weird for a few reasons which i'll get into he leaves uh, so then sterling comes out in his tv again he's getting playful goes yeah, up in his tv and he says this is mr bartlett finchley age 48 a practicing sophisticate who writes very special and very precious things for gourmet magazines and the like he's a bachelor and a recluse with few friends only devotees and adherence to the cause of tart sophistry. He has no interest save whatever current annoyances he can put his mind to. He has no purpose to his life except the formulation of day-to-day -day opportunities to vent his wrath on mechanical contrivances of an age he abhors. In short, Mr. Bartlett Finchley is a malcontent, born either too late or too early in the century, and who in just a moment will enter a realm where muscles and the will to fight back are not limited to human beings. Next stop for Mr. Bartlett Finchley, The Twilight Zone. Man. <laughs> you just do the, the, just do the whole episode like that. And then. <laughs> keep alluding to the show. <laughs> and then. <laughs> what about when he. Stone Cold AT is gonna whoop the rats. Which causes this to happen. We slip into a room and you two split me open like a coconut. <laughs> and then we get the. And then he said, This is crack. And finally, Serling says, The kind. <laughs> My trap. <laughs> well, then he, the next scene is him berating his secretary, who does the, the normal things. Like, I am not taking your shit no more. I'm getting out of here. I don't know who the fuck you think you are or what's going on. I'll tell you what, Mr. Finchley. You get yourself another girl. One with three arms and with roughly the same sensitivity as an alligator. And then you can work together till death do you part. As for me, I've had it. And then he shows a little bit of humanity where he's just like, please don't leave me alone. <laughs> Goodbye, Mr. Finchley. Before you go, Miss Rogers, before you go. Yes. I'd like very much... I'd like very much not to be alone for a while. He insists that he is a very sane and rational man as he starts destroying dishware around the room. <laughs> you, Miss Rogers, you see a doctor. I am a logical, rational, intelligent man. I know what I see. I know what I hear. He hasn't slept in four days. He thinks the machines are out to get him. He's just, he's just cracking up. She's like, and she was nice enough after he berated her. Like, once he, like, begged her to stay, she was nice. Like, I'll hear him out. And then he just calls her a piece of shit, and she's like, all right. I hope the machine's the worst. He really was the fucking worst. He was such a piece of He's garbage. Worst character so far, I think. But I loved him, because I think you're supposed to want him to die. Because, like, even, like, she says yeah. it. Mr. Finchley, in this conspiracy you speak of, this mortal combat between you and the appliances... I hope you lose. Get out! They, he made him so hateful. I gotta give it to uh, Richard Hayden, because it's just like, to go that hateful, like that full bore, like he gave him nothing. Like even like when he shows a little bit of like hum humanity, 
that's used to serve later. It was just self-interest. He really has nothing. Like, he has no feelings. He's just like, he's just a little, he's just a scumbag. So then all of a sudden, lady starts playing canastas on TV. And the typewriter starts to typing. And the typewriter says, get out of here, Finchley. Get out of here, Finchley. Get out of here, Finchley. Who are you to tell me to get out of here? Like, uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. So it starts, it starts doing that. Funny that you say that King line. Oh, I know. This has fucking King inspiration written all over it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Christine yep. from Buick 8. I was going to say, dude, yeah. This Maximum is... overdrive, anybody? Right. A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories. And I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. So the, the canasters are going and the typewriter starts going. They missed a trick. Didn't you, weren't you expecting this to happen? Like they would start synchronizing and creating a rhythm, these two things. Hmm. And maybe like yes. it makes a musical number out of it. Like that would have been fun. Like I, I said, you know, that's like, let's build off that. Let, let's have it become an orchestra in the house of all the appliances. Like let's stomp it. Let's make it a big stomp thing. That could have been really amazing. Yeah, that could have been great. So I think they missed a trick there. Instead, he's just like... He goes free on all you machines and like storms off. You are not going to intimidate me. Do you hear me? You are not going to intimidate me. You, you machine. Into the bathroom where he understands the machines are like plying against him. Cause like the TV lady outright says, get the fuck out. Why don't you get out of here eventually? For a person who hates technology, why does he have an electric razor? <laughs> that chases him down the Why stairs. is it chasing down the steps? It, no, he has an electric razor, <laughs> so it will chase him down the stairs is right. the answer. Because it yeah. doesn't make sense for characters. Because, listen, I hate electric razors now. I can't even imagine how shitty they were in 1960. Yeah, it was just a guy with, uh, with two knives. <laughs> it made noise. There's a pterodactyl in there, and you open it up, it goes, it's a living. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was maybe a sloth. Oh, oh boy. Oh. From a movie Yeah, they make anything these Slother days. Slother house. So it chases itself that thing. So that happens, and then, no. So the, the razor starts chasing him down the stairs. The TV's going off. Everything starts going haywire all over the house. Why don't you get out of here? Oh, then he then he goes outside because his car had rolled down the hill. The emergency brake was off, and it almost killed some kid eating ice cream. And the cop gives him like a lambassum. She rolled down the driveway, almost hit a kid on a bike. You ought to check that emergency brake, Mister. The emergency brake was on. Oh no, it wasn't. I left my brakes on, you imbecile twit. <laughs> 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 I mean, he should have gotten a fucking staircase vacation for that. <laughs> Why do cars always drive into empty cardboard boxes when they're going haywire? <laughs> Why are also cardboard boxes always haphazardly stacked in random spots around the city? That's the it's second like cardboard boxes, milk crates. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense for his house to have that much, like, he has a lot of recycling out. Like, <laughs> he, then all his neighbors are looking, and this is kind of a boss move. I kind of respect this man. He tells the neighbors, You may remain on my property, goggling at this astonishing sight, for another three and a half minutes. If, when I return with my car keys, you are not off my property, I shall enlist the aid of this uh, underpaid gendarme to forcibly eject you. What's he tell him? Don't 
hold my fucking hand over there. I said choke yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he told him. <laughs> <laughs> he calls a cop an underpaid Neanderthal or something like that. I'll have him remove you from my premises. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> then cut to him grabbing a bottle and just draining the whole thing. He gets fucking soused. Yeah, he gets all by his lonesome. Then his car starts honking, right? Or the TV goes. I forget what the order of events is, but maybe I'll show it. <laughs> maybe I'll show it. This. Is crack. But then oh, the car, he goes did. out into the car, and instead of, like, going to safety, like, he, he, he picks, like, I'm just gonna get in front of the car so the car can back out, like, carefully so it can be in perfect chasing position. Like, he's trying to see if somebody's driving it, is, like, the conceit. But yeah. then the, the car starts chasing him all around the house, uh, around the front of the house, takes out so many cardboard boxes. He lays it at one point through a fence. <laughs> it inches towards him as he goes to his pool, and it does that old movie fall. Where the camera slowly moves at him, and they kind of people just kind of back away, like <laughs> ah. <laughs> he does that that silly old movie fall. Like where they don't take yeah. momentum into account. Cuts to the the cards cold, unflinching eyes as his body's being put into a, an ambulance. Uh, his wet, sopping wet body. Doctor EMT and uh, and officer man have a cop. I wonder what it could have been. I don't know. The neighbors said that he'd been shouting and running around last night. I wonder what it was that could have scared him. Whatever it was, it's a little item he took along with him. Yeah. Maybe he was drunk. Imagining things? Maybe. Maybe he got drunk. Maybe a brick <laughs> hit his head. He looked, like he, was, he looked like he was scared. He looked like he was scared, like he was dying or something. <laughs> That's unusual for a person to have a face full of fright when they're dying. Well, anyway, it's not worth investigating none. Have a good day. <laughs> and the cause... <laughs> this has become one of my favorite things about the Twilight Zone is the people at the very end who show up to try to figure out what just happened. Yeah. Oh, they have so no good. idea. It's my favorite conversations of the show. Was those that last thirty-five mm -hmm. seconds? Hey, you think you had a screw loose, Doc? <laughs> <laughs> and then Serling says, "Yes, it could just be. It could just be that Mr. Bartlett Finchley succumbed from a heart attack and a set of delusions." It could just be that he was tormented by an imagination as sharp as his wit and as pointed as his dislikes. But as perceived by those attending, this is one explanation that has left the premises with the deceased. Look for it filed under M for machines in the Twilight Zone. And that's the ball game. And now a word from our sponsors. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I thought it was fun. I think they missed a few tricks here and there, like I said. Yeah. But I, I liked watching this miserable man get tortured because he was just, he's just, mis I just like, and I just really like how committed he was to the performance. And I mean, speaking he, of his performance, you know what he's famous for? Oh, uh, he's, yeah. He's, he's uh, Herr Folkstein. Uh, this Herr actor Folkstein. is Herr Folkstein in uh, Young Frankenstein. Yeah. He's also in Sound of Music. I mean, I had fun. I, apparently, you guys didn't like it as much as I did. Nah, I just thought, you know, uh, as I'm watching right. it, and I'm like, I see what he's doing. It's like, first of all, it's either he hates a writer that this is who he's mocking, or it's, you know, you could say, is it a, 
commentary on the uh, the uh, is this, technological is it age, a technological or? thing, or is it a, a class thing, like a classism kind of thing with the machine? Like he, because he treats every service person, the TV repairman, the cop, just like a piece of shit. So it's like, are these machines because they work for him, and he looks down on them? Could be something like that. He's just an outdated person. It's a movie. It's a, I think it's an episode about progress. He's just outdated. And like he's become doesn't seem like anti-technology. It's not like a technological fear. It's not saying that. It doesn't seem like that's what the hook is. No. It's just it's. I think it's about a person who is I guess just losing, not losing up with the times. And yeah, he's losing. He's not with of the, the times. He's, that's around him now. He's part of a past of like privilege that shouldn't exist anymore. He's kind of like outdated. Maybe I'm just putting like a new. That's because because that's new kind of thematic material that people deal with. Maybe they were dealing with that then. I don't Maybe. know. That's kind of my mm, modernist reading of that because he's part of like a class of it. And like, you know, it's just about progress and they use societal progress mm. and technological progress. So like on the menu for the story. Yeah. So I, what that means and how they conflate I'm not sure. I'm just spitballing. But Adult's it's interesting. Trying to kill I, me I just the toaster's been laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. We talked about King before with the whole Christine pat and there is what about Duel? You think? And, but that has a little bit of a link to the Twilight Zone as well. Because it's Matthew. It's Matheson. Matheson. So it's like you know, there's a lot of little like a lot of things that you know pull from. Would it be influenced by the Twilight Zone? Maybe. All these I mean, it's the. Things. I think it's it's got to yeah. be the most unpopular culture. Because, like, yeah, I'm sure science fiction stories did that. But, again, that's a niche thing. This was in America's, like, televisions. Yeah. So this is probably the first most mainstream telling of those kind of, like, things. Even Twilight Zone has its roots in, like, the science fiction pulp magazines of the, that era. So it might be the most popular culture version of that. So, yes. I mean, Spielberg and King are probably roughly the same age, right? Mid uh, to late yeah, 70s? Probably. I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, I this was... <laughs> I mean, this is why he, King Steven Spielberg made Twilight Zone the movie, and why King King has said like, yeah, oh fuck yeah. I mean, The Mist is a Twilight Zone yeah. episode. I mean, it's just like most of it's Twilight Zone. It's King is like the Beatles of horror. Like they're like you know Twilight Zone is, and I ran out of my musical knowledge. Thank you all for playing. McKine. I don't know who came. Who's big? Like he, maybe whoever influenced the Beatles. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. it's like, like like the Dead Zone. That's the Twilight Zone episode. That's the thing. It's like, even if it doesn't do it on its own, like this, right, like, because of this, other writers said, let's figure out, like, how do we use this more effectively? And other writers did way too much cocaine in the 80s and made <laughs> Maximum Overdrive. A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories. And I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. The short story Cars that it's from is very chilling. It's like one of his good little short story reads because it's on, it's, there is no explanation. Or there is, I think, no, they give it an explanation in the movie, like some meteor flew yeah. over and like did something cosmic-y. But in the book, mm. it's just like, what is this? It's like a bird scenario. It's just like, why is this happening? King's short story book, The Skeleton Crew, the collection, um, there's a story in there, The Jaunt, which originally was published in the Twilight Zone magazine in 81. So he did, mm. you know, he had a lot of stories published in, you know, Twilight Zone magazine. Did, I don't, did he ever do an episode? I don't know. I mean, well, that, that's why Creepshow it was a thing. Well, Creepshow, well, Creepshow's more influenced by the EC comics, but that's like, if you're a kid who read those comics, ball, like, it's, it's a balls out, why am I saying balls out? Odds on favorite, you were also into the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I get it! Balls out, brother. <laughs> balls out. You were a balls out fan of Twilight Zone as well. I think that's what I was trying to say. I just wanted to say balls. I just wanted to, I was trying to be irreverent. And I was trying to, 
find a reason to say balls, but I couldn't figure out one in time. My mouth just kept moving. Be more funny! Yeah, Twilight Zone, the magazine, published The Raft in 83. What was the magazine? Program? Like, what was the... What did... What, what went on there? What is it? What, what was the point of it? What? Was it stories? Twilight Twilight Zone Magazine? Magazine? It was like, it was like all kinds of stuff. They did like interviews and it was like editorials and reviews and all kinds of stuff. Hmm. Did I ever show you, speaking yeah. of Stephen King, uh, the in a Russian, Soviet Russian animated adaptation of one of his short stories, Battleground? No. Which is in Skeleton Crew, I think. Mm, it's the one with the maybe. toy soldiers? Mm, yes. Or is it Nightmares and Dreamscapes? I don't remember. Battleground? I think it's Night not. Shift. I'm sorry, it's a okay, Night Shift. It's not, I was going to say, it's not Skeleton Crew. It's Night Shift. Uh, yeah, there's a, I, I, you can find it on YouTube. It's, 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 it's fucking interesting as shit. Skeleton Crew has the mist. Is that what it's from? Yeah, wow. Yeah. I have, I have Skeleton Crew. Oh, <laughs> we're talking, we're doing that. We're dangerous know, territory. We're we around. We could go. Ooh, there it is. <laughs> Nightmares and Dreamscapes. That's a good one. Many hours later. What's Sterling like, say at yeah. the end of this? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? No, Sterling said, yeah, we did that already. <laughs> it's, uh, we didn't we have much enough. to talk I, about in this. Well, yeah, we have no, we did, no, we did a full half hour before we started going silly. I don't think so. I think we mm -hmm. did 15 before we went silly. <laughs> no, it was good. we were pretty deep that into does, it. It's the weeds with it. I, uh, we stayed pretty much on yeah. re related. It was like, it's, I know where we started. We could use a little bit of the Twilight. I know because Stephen King, once it relates to, I know there's a jumping off point because it, it becomes <laughs> about Stephen King and then it becomes about Stephen King adaptations. Right before there is where we cut it off. Because it's just like... We need like a virtual map th so we can see like, okay, the conversation starts here, then it goes here, so we can like follow along. How do we get to... Wherever we end no, up. No, it came from a logical place, but then it just became Stephen King adaptations. And then somehow we got to Lord of the Rings. And then Lord of the, we talked about, I think, Lord Gary of the Rings Busey. in both episodes. And Gary Busey. <laughs> the sauce is about sauce is about what that does. <laughs> wieners, floppy wieners. <laughs> There's so much One bomb in that show. wiener next to wiener party, wiener party. <laughs> <laughs> McKine. And now, Mr. Serling. Down this hall is a very strange individual locked in a room. He's known by various names and by various forms. And next week on The Twilight Zone, you'll be close to the elbow of the people who let him out. Our story is called The Howling Man by Mr. Charles Beaumont. It's designed for the young in heart, but the strong of nerve. I hope we'll see you next week along with The Howling Man. Thank you and good night. <laughs>